0: Amazing, 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 amazing. Well, it's great to be back, to be honest. I've missed this place. I missed you all. So. <laughs> so it's great to be back. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Anka. I'm part of the imprint team. Um, I'm one of the lead prophets here at imprint. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I just love equipping people, empowering people, teaching people. Um, so I'm excited for today. I'm excited for this series um and i hope that i don't offend anyone's theology too bad today uh yeah, because we'll see that we, that means that let's quickly pray and then we'll get into this uh teaching today yeah, lord, we thank you We thank you for this time lord i just pray may you be exalted and glorified through this message today. And I just pray, may you open the heart of every person who is watching online or here, in pers- or here um, right now. And I just pray, Lord, may the soil of everyone's hearts be prepared so that every word, that f- every good word that falls into their um, hearts grows to be fruitful trees, O Lord. I thank you, Lord, in your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. So as most of you should or um, may know, last week we started a new series on the fivefold. Where Bishop Rick came and he um, told about apostles and their function and basically what they do and what they mean for us today. In the same likeness today, I've been given the privilege by Pastor Wally to come and teach on probably one of my favorite um, topics, which is prophets um, and the office of the prophet. Um, and I understand that you know prophets are still quite the controversial conversation in the body of Christ, um, but yes, I still believe that prophets exist today. Um, and so today we'll be looking at what a prophet is, what they're not, um, the difference between the office of the prophet and the gift of prophecy, their function today, and if you have time, hopefully to look at um, how to recognize and walk in your calling. But before we get into all of that, I think it's important to first just lay the foundation of the prophetic again, um, simply because, as, well, to serve as a reminder for those who are already aware, but also for those who are new. I may not already have an understanding of the prophetic so that we can all find common ground and then build into the teaching of the prophet together. Is that cool? Amazing. So what is the prophetic? Now, I would define the prophetic, and I hope you're making notes. I would define the prophetic as essentially the ability to hear the heart, mind, and emotions of God and convey them through either speech, song, and or any creative outlet. I'll say that one more time. The prophetic is the ability to hear the heart, mind, and emotions of God and convey them through either speech, song, and or any creative outlet. In other words, it's twofold. So you're hearing from God, and then you're delivering their message. So you're hearing from God, and then you're prophesying. And we're all able to do this because every single one of us have the ability and the capacity to hear the voice of God. So all of us are able to hear the voice of God. You and I, every single person in this room and watching online, we all have the capacity to hear God's voice. How do I know this? Well, in fact, there's there's many, many scriptures that tell us this, but I want to highlight two uh, very quickly. The first one being the most common people use, John chapter 10, verse 27. John chapter 10, verse 27, where, where Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. And so essentially what Jesus was saying in the same way that sheep uh, follow the voice of their shepherds, now we being the sheep in, in this context, we, we hear and follow the voice of Jesus. Uh, we hear we hear and follow the voice of Jesus. But I believe what it's also saying is that or what tells us is that Jesus is consistently speaking to us. And the second scripture i want to look at very quickly or highlight even is first Corinthians chapter six, verse seventeen. First Corinthians, chapter six, verse seventeen, where Paul says, "But whoever is united with the Lord is one with Him, with, with the Spirit of God." And I think this is actually a fairly shocking verse in that those who are saved, which is probably most of us here, are one with the Spirit of God. And in other words, you know, at the point of your salvation. And when you were baptized in the spirit, you know, what happened? Did, did, did Jesus come into your hearts? Mm, not necessarily. I mean, we understand why we say that to people. But biblically speaking, at the point of your salvation and when you are baptized in the spirit, it's actually your spirit that becomes one with the spirit of God. In other words, your, your, spirit, fused, your, your spirit fused with the spirit of God. And so what that means for us is that now we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of every single one of us. And this is actually a, a core tenet of our faith, you know, the belief of indwelling spirits. So what does that means for us now in, in, in the New Testament times is that the very same God who is consistently speaking to us now dwells inside of us. And so that means, therefore, we can all now hear from him and then prophesy what he's saying. Because the same God who lives in us um, is constantly speaking, and therefore we can hear and prophesy what he's saying. But I want to quickly mention that the Word of God, so Scripture, the the Bible, is still equally as important. It's still equally as important. In fact, it's it's one of the foundational, and I would say probably one of the most important ways that God speaks to you. You know, uh, if I'm going to be honest, you know, you will only be able to prophesy to the extent of your knowledge of Scripture. You know, the clarity and the accuracy your prophecy brings is dependent on your understanding of Scripture. You know, so, so, you know, prophetic people, which is probably most of us here, I know we do this often, but let's please stop neglecting reading our Bible. You know, let's spend more time on the Bible. But so then why does gospel speak today? You know, for what purpose and what benefit outside of, um, you know, God building more intimacy, for example. But I think it's paramount that we still train ourselves to hear the voice of God, because with it often comes a number of things. For example, when we hear God's voice, we receive clarity, we receive insight and direction, we receive comfort and peace, which is very important. We receive confirmation from God. We also receive His purposes, His thoughts, and His will for our life when we hear His voice, and ultimately we receive His heart, which builds. All of these things together go on to build intimacy. But that being said, you know God's voice isn't exclusive just for us you know he speaks through us for the sake of those around us amen and peter emphasizes this point in the book of first peter chapter 4 verse 10 in the book of first peter chapter 4 verse 10 where he says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms and so peter is making it clear that every gift God has given us is not for self-serving purposes. But instead, we should use every, everything, every gift we have to serve others, therefore making us faithful stewards of God's grace. And so this is also where the gift of prophecy now comes into all of this. And we see the gift first mentioned in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 11. Let's turn that very quickly, because there's quite a few verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 11. Paul says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the through, through Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy, which is the gift of prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in, in different kinds of tongues. To still another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And so what we learn from this is that the Holy Spirit is the one who distributes these gifts. And like we just established a couple of minutes ago, the Holy Spirit is also the one that dwells inside of us. And so the same Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us is the same Holy Spirit who distributes the gifts. So what that means for us is that we have access to every single gift. We have access to all the gifts of the Spirit. And so even prophecy, the gift of prophecy is available for every single one of us. So in fact, even right now, if you wanted to, you can ask the Holy Spirit for the gift of prophecy and you will receive it. It's it's that simple. You know, because the gifts are not awards, you know, they're not rewards. You know, there's nothing we can do to earn the gifts. There's no good work you can do to earn them, but we receive them simply by asking. But I think it's also important to mention, like just here, that operating or walking in any gift is, is not a testament to you walking in good character or maturity. In fact, it's entirely possible, entirely possible, believe me, to not have a great character, but still be walking heavily in any gift. Because the gifts don't serve as a measure of of our spiritual maturity. Instead, we measure maturity by our fruits and also the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5.3, in our lives. Because this shows us that the Holy Spirit has not only been working through us, which is our fruits, but also within us, which is the fruits of the Spirit. So now with all that understanding, I think it's also quickly uh, important, <laughs> important to quickly um, define what prophecy actually is if we are to understand how it uh, functions. And in other words, the anatomy of prophecy. And so prophecy at its essence, or in its purest sense, can be separated into what I call two dimensions. So in, in, in two groups, quote-unquote, which are foretelling and forth-telling. Usually I will break this down a lot more, but I haven't got time, so I'm going to quickly go through them. Foretelling is the ability to speak forth the future. And forth telling is the ability to cause the future to take place. Let me see that in Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel chapter 37, verses one to 10. You can just make a note of that. There's a lot of verses. But I'm saying this to help us understand that prophecy is ultimately about the future. You know, it, words don't come to pass yet. I've seen and heard so many people who receive our word and expect it to come to pass in the next few days. And then when it doesn't, they get disappointed. But let me tell you, God is not the God of instant gratification. Instead, hmm? so God is the God of intimacy. And so, it, we have to, so because God is a God of intimacy, we partner with him, and then the words come to pass. And so it, God does not want you to do anything without him, essentially. So it's a matter of partnering and co-laboring with him. And finally, I'll end with this section on on, on this. Prophetic ministry under the new covenant is a ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to see this in the book of Malachi, chapter four, verses five to six. You can just make a note of that. Malachi, chapter four, verses five to six. Cool, so hopefully now I've I've established a, a... brief foundational understanding of what the prophetic is, um, I hope. Um, so now, let's, let's look at what it means to be a prophet, or what the role of a prophet is uh, today. So what is a prophet? We first see them mentioned in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Just on turn our Bibles there quickly. Some of you may remember this from last week. Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 11 to 13 where Paul says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of the, in the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now I believe these three verses, they reveal three, I guess, important points regarding the fivefold offices or ministries. So let's break them down very quickly. Verse 11 tells us what the gifts Jesus gave are, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Verse 12 tells us why he gave the gifts, to equip the people for the works of service and the body of Christ is built up. Now verse 13, and this is the one that people often gloss over or skip over. Verse 13 tells us for how long we'll have the firefold around for. Or it says, until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, we will have the fivefold ministry until the body of Christ looks like Jesus. And I would like to suggest that we're not quite there yet. And therefore, we still need the fivefold ministry. In fact, without the fivefold, the church, and some of you are not going to like this, the church cannot fully represent Jesus. Because Jesus was, as as we see in Scripture, And he still is the embodiment of all five. Therefore, a church needs all five to be fully representing the different functions of Christ. Have I offended anyone's theology yet? Okay. Now, prophets are not necessarily the ones who do all the prophesy. Because like we just learned, everyone can prophesy. We can all hear from God, we can all prophesy but we are also not fortune tellers or spiritualists. You know, we're not here to tell you fortune. Prophets are also not mind readers. You know, some people are scared to speak to prophets because they think we're going to read your mind and expose your sin, you know. <laughs> well, we don't do that. Prophets are also not prophecy machines for you to come and receive a word every two seconds. You know, please, please, we get tired as well. <laughs> but most importantly... Prophets are not a replacement of God in your life. We are not a replacement for your relationship with God. Like I understand, yes. And if we were still in the old covenants of the Old Testament times, and that would prophets would have been the only way you hear from God. Yeah, we understand that. But it's funny because even in the Old Testament, within the Book of Numbers, have you ever had a teaching out the Book of Numbers? Within the book of Numbers, we see that it's always been God's desire to raise the prophetic people. And this is in the Old Testament. In, in the book of Numbers, chapter 11, we are told that the Spirit of the Lord came upon a couple of the elders, and then they also began to prophesy. And then a young man, he saw what was taking place, and he ran to tell Moses. And then in verse 29, we read this But Moses replied, talking to the old man, I mean to the young man, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. So I believe Moses was not only able to see the bigger picture of, I guess, the dynamic that God was eventually going to introduce, but he also saw how dysfunctional a culture can be when only one person, when only the prophet, is hearing from God on behalf of the entire community. So yes, the the words of a prophet still carry immense weight, because they do. But in the New Testament times, under the New Covenant, you are equally as responsible for hearing from God for yourself. Of course, that's what prophets are not. I also want to very quickly look at false prophets and how to become one. <laughs> I'm messy, I'm messing. i want to quickly look at some characteristics that you, you tend to find in some false prophets. False prophet is, is one who wants to destroy the church. For example, Jezebel. They tend to use fear and anxiety to control or motivate people. Some even are like this next one. They seek self-promotion. Prophets distort or twist the message of truth. I mean false prophets. False prophets, they're, not, they're often not found in community and they don't want any... I guess relationship or connection with the body of Christ. They don't want any accountability. They, they often don't feel a need to listen to others because they believe God tells them everything. You will find false prophets tend to have that one in common. False prophets often also steal and prophesy other people's words. And we actually see that in Scripture, in Jeremiah 23, verse 30. So... And finally, this may be one that some of you may relate with a little bit. If you do, there's no shame, no condemnation, but we mature out of this stuff. But false prophets, they're not necessarily motivated by love, but instead are motivated by the desire to be noticed. So down the years, it often becomes about them and not God. Uh, The thing is that most, most highly prophetic people or prophets will tend to have this desire to want to be noticed simply because of, I guess their experiences of isolation and rejection they go through. If you're a prophetic, highly prophetic person, you will know that. But you can't stay in that place. You, know, you can't leave that desire to be noticed unchecked. And you have to allow God to heal that so that you're not on track to, I guess, becoming a false prophet. Cool, so, so what do prophets actually do now? What are, the, what are the characteristics and the functions of a prophet? Prophets must be consistent and understand their relationship with the other fivefold gifts. You cannot be a lone ranger in the kingdom. Prophets need to be accountable, self-aware, disciplined, and responsible. Your character must be excellent. Your character as a prophet must be excellent. Why? Because prophets are God's mouthpiece here on earth. In other words, they are God's lawyers. You know, because they speak on behalf of God and not on behalf of the people. You know, it, those who intercede, which should be all of us, those who intercede, they are the ones who will be speaking on behalf of the people. But prophets, you speak on behalf of God to the people. And so along that same lines, you know, we should be prophets should be spending more time in the business of hearing from God for nations, for churches, people groups, territories, regions, you know, that kind of stuff, instead of or rather than individual prophecy. Of course, we do, we do both but the, the prophet's dominant capability is, in, is within the national picture. And so often the words that, you, that a prophet brings will be like national, regional, or church direction. They bring a direction. And along those same uh, veins, another important thing is that because we are the gift, because the prophet is one of the gifts given by Jesus to the church, when we go through something, really bad or something really good, to both ends of the spectrum, we have to learn to begin asking God some key questions. And you can write this down. Like, like for example, God is what I am living through, a story and a sign as to instruct the rest of the church. Because repeatedly we see in scripture that the prophet lived the story. For example, the prophet Hosea was asked by God to marry the prostitute as a sign of what God was doing in the nation of Israel. And so I guess instead of becoming introspective about what we're going through, we should begin to ask God key questions like, God, what story is my life delivering that is part of my prophet message? You know, so we should begin to look at our, lives, our life in a different way. You know, Let's shift our perspective of, of our life and I guess become more intelligent about our experiences because it would massively help you tell your story, your life story, which is the prophetic message. You know, your life story is the prophetic message. Are you also with me? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Prophets protect the glory of God. You direct, you correct. Prophets will wake, up, wake and stir up a sleeping church. Prophets are the eyes of the church, and they make sure that the church doesn't lose its pace, direction, and vision. Without the prophet, the church will lose its pace, direction, and vision. And along with the apostles, one thing you do, you raise the foundations of the body of Christ. Another thing I want to mention, it's not even in my notes, but I felt as we were worshipping, just to just to mention as well. You know, great prophets, those who become great prophets, are those who are great fathers and mothers. Those who become great leaders are those who are great fathers and mothers. I'm not talking about having a child. You don't have to have a child to be a, a great father and mother. I'm talking about the heart. In fact, I believe there are some people here right now who who have been told that you have a fatherly and motherly heart. People have even prophesied it over you. Yeah. It's not my notes, but let's do it anyway. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up or anything, but if that is you, I'm just going to quickly release a blessing um, as a father onto people. Um, if, you, if you feel like you've had this desire or you have a heart, you've been told you have a heart to, as, as a mother or father figure, so I'm going to quickly release that blessing. If that's you, just receive it. Yeah, Let's release, release this blessing of, of a fatherly and motherly heart upon your people, that they, they may be a father and a mother to this generation and the one to come, Lord, that we will not do what the last generation did, but instead we will raise our people in the love and the heart of the Father. So we thank you, Lord, and we impart that fatherly and motherly heart right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, the main function of the prophet, and this actually applies to all of the fivefold, is to replicate. By replicate, what I mean is training, teaching, and equipping the people in your specific grace and, and function. Remember, we saw this in Ephesians 4, where Paul says, Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, why? To equip the saints for the works of service that the body of Christ may be built up. Therefore, the main function of the prophet is to equip the saints to have eyes to see and ears to hear. In other words, you are are training the people, the the body of Christ, how to hear from God and prophesy and training them or, or teaching them on the things of the prophetic. Because the grace that prophets carry can literally uh, enable people to hear the voice of God with more clarity. And so by the biblical standard, to be seated in a office, um, and I guess this is the difference between an emerging prophet and quote-unquote one who's established, is one who's equipping or replicating at a consistent level. And this also applies to all of the fivefold. You You can't or you shouldn't really go around calling yourself an evangelist if you're not training people on how to evangelize. And you shouldn't go around calling yourself an apostle if you're not teaching people in the apostolic. So in the same likeness, you shouldn't go around calling yourself a prophet if you're not teaching people or training people or equipping them to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Are you still with me? Amazing. I think I'm running out of time so I'm going to end with this, this last bit. But i want to quickly look at the difference between the gift of prophecy and the office of the prophet. So qu- quickly look at six, different, six differences between the two. And so when I'm on this side, I'm talking about the gift. When I'm on this side, i talking about the office of the prophet, okay? But I'll, I'll make it clear as we go along. So the gift of, of, of prophecy um, is a gift given to us by the Holy Spirit. It's are gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit, um, and we choose to have them essentially. But the office of the prophet is a gift given to us by Jesus. So the fivefold gifts given to us by Jesus are separate from the gifts given to us from the Holy Spirit. They are separate gifts. The, off, the, the fivefold I mentioned in Ephesians 4 is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. So they're separate gifts. The second difference between the two, the gift is something that you do. So it's something that you use. Think of it as a tool. So you're using a tool. The gift, all the gifts for that matter, are something that you do. Whereas on this side, as, as, a, as the prophet or any member of the fivefold, it's something that you are. So it's part of your identity. It's who you are. You know, the, the last thing you want to do is make your gift your identity because that's how you that's how you fall into performance and so your gift is not your identity but your your calling makes up your identity does that make sense amazing the third difference between the two I'll start on this side with the gift paul says in in first corinthians chapter 14 verse 1 first corinthians chapter 14 verse 1 Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And so Paul is encouraging us to desire all the gifts. He's telling us, go after the gifts. In fact, I believe um, um, the word desire here in the original text actually means to lust after. So you're you're eagerly desiring every gift of the Holy Spirit. And remember, you choose the gifts. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you choose the gifts. Whereas on this side of the office of the prophet, God chooses prophets. You no, know, you can't become a prophet. You can't start with a gift and then develop into a prophet. God chooses prophets. You can't choose to be one. I don't know why he wants anyway, but you can't choose to become one. The fourth difference between the two. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse three. This time, but he who prophesies. Speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to man. Therefore, when you're when you're prophesying or operating out of the gift of prophecy, you're you're giving people words that are edifying, that are encouraging, or or exhorting, or or comforting. So the 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 gift has this sense of safety. There's a safety net around the gift. So you're encouraging, you're edifying, and, and you're comforting. If I had time, I'd normally break them down, but I'm running out of time. But now on this side of the prophet. The prophet also does all of that, so they they also um, exhort, edify, and and comfort. But because of their grace, they're capable of going beyond. And so, a prophet will also direct. They will correct. They will warn. Warnings, not judgment. Warnings. They will confirm. They will govern the fivefold governing gifts. They will activate, and they will equip. They will equip the body of Christ. So prophets, because of their grace, go beyond the parameters of of 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. The fifth difference between the two, I'll start on this side, of the prophet. If you you are a prophet or any of the other fivefold, you are classified by scripture as, as part of the fivefold team. So you're called to the fivefold team. Whereas you're still a saint, you're still a son of God, all that kind of stuff, but you're part of the fivefold team. Whereas if you're operating out of any of the gifts and you're not called to the firefold, because not everybody is, not everybody's called to the firefold. So if you're operating out one of the gifts, then you're classified by scripture as a saint. Um, but I, I, I want to emphasize the fact that just because you may be called, called to the firefold does not make you any more special or any more important or give you any more authority than the people with the gift. You just have a different calling and function. And finally, the sixth one, and we'll wrap up with this. The sixth difference between the two, well, it's not only a difference, but what Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Some translations may may say without repentance. But all this means is the the gifts that you receive from the Holy Spirit, they are yours forever. They're for life. No one, including God, can or will take them away from you. In the same likeness, the calling is for life. No one can take away your calling from you. So they stay for life. Cool. And I'll end with this. Let me wrap up. I wasn't going to say this, but I think it's important. Prophets need to be a part of a community. Like I said earlier, you can't be a lone ranger as a prophet. Why? Because you need to have trusted people around you who can hold you accountable both to be quote unquote editors in your life. You know, people who can correct you. You know, people who can edit um, parts of your character. People who can bring you into maturity. But most importantly, people who can correct you when you prophesy falsely or you, you mess up, basically. And me personally, you know, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trust someone who's not, I wouldn't trust a prophet who's not in community. You know, I wouldn't receive their words. And I, actually there's a great example of this in scripture. You know, when Saul, and it's another reason why community is so important as well. When, when Saul was about to be, when Saul was anointed by Samuel, and Samuel said to Saul, well, on the way back home, you're going to encounter a, a, a company or a school of prophets. Do you remember this story? And then when, as soon, but as, soon as, what's funny about the story, as soon as Saul entered into the, the midst of, of this company of prophets, he began to prophesy himself. And so the, the, the important thing about community is that um, Paul says this in, in 1 Corinthians 13, that we prophesy in part, we know in part. And so even though your revelation may be great, it's only, it's only half the picture. It's only part of the picture. And so when you're in community, that picture gets made whole. And so if, if you believe you're called to be a prophet, make sure you're stuck into a community, that you're in a community.